Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the NZ Tech Podcast. This time around, Bradley Burrows is missing in action, so we have Skip Parker here filling in his slot. Yeah. Welcome along, Skip. How you doing, mate? I'm good. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, no, really really pleased to have you here. Um, we might have uh, Bradley back uh, next week, but um, I think he's, yeah, he's missing in action. We'll, we'll leave it there, maybe overseas <laughs> traveling somewhere, I'm not quite sure. Um, hey, thanks to all who, uh, who listened in to the very first episode of the NZ Tech Podcast last week. Um, for those who haven't caught it yet, um, it is up on iTunes and also in the Zoom Marketplace too. And I heard today via Twitter that um, we're in the new and noteworthy uh, section. We've been featured by iTunes. So if I go into iTunes, I'll see this beautiful picture of yourself and uh, up on the page there. Uh, no, okay, no, no. There's no, there's no pictures on our, um, on our, on our <laughs> logo. So um, yeah, just to spare you all that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, no, we're all, so it's good. Yeah, it's good to be uh, up there on iTunes and, and Zoom now, though. So uh, much easier to get hooked in and uh, and subscribe to the podcast. So uh, going forward, that's um, that's what you'll be able to do. Now, last week we chatted about a bunch of, or last episode we chatted about a bunch of things from the um, Vodafone Shore uh, cell signal booster, which I notice um, Vodafone is starting to advertise around the place with billboards and whatnot. Wow, that's great. Kind of cryptic billboards, but um, <laughs> nonetheless, that's uh, that's what they're talking about. Uh, we talked about Mobile World Congress and uh, tablets and a, and a bunch of other bits and pieces. Um, but let's look at uh, this episode. Um, we've got a few topics lined up, including the iPad 2, which was announced last week. Um, we will chat about Windows Phone 7 updates that are in the process of rolling out now. Um, some dramas for uh, for Google this week, actually, with a um, pretty major outage with uh, Gmail. Yeah, there'll and, be a, uh, the a few apps. unhappy people about that one. Yeah, um, and um, some issues um, with malware on Android. Um, and we have Apple have announced um, or, or started shipping out their developer preview of Mac OS X uh, Lion couple of other topics there too we might get into if time allows so let's dive into it so what have you uh, what have you heard skip about the uh, the ipad 2 did uh, did you follow that launch last week i i did and the one thing you have to say about apple is they're really good at being able to sow dreams <laughs> and everyone came rushing to the town hall meeting just to be able to see what was going to happen with the iPhone 2. I guess the big thing first, uh, Steve Jobs hit the stage. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, great, to see him, uh, great to see him back. It is. Uh, and the company really, um, unfortunately, does um, live and die a little bit on Steve Jobs' placement in the front of the company. Um, hopefully that's something they're getting their head around. Um, but it was good to see that he's, he's up and about and doing bits and pieces. So they they brought back the because um, he he's been sick for well he he's been off work and I don't know whether he's officially back but he's obviously come back for the launch but that's been it's been a few weeks now hasn't it Yeah and uh, this is it I mean the, the share price for Apple because I really I guess at the end of the day that's it's it's how the market perceives Apple are doing things is reflected in the share price it, it rises or falls depending on how Steve's feeling today 
which is a bit of a scary thought, really, for Apple um, execs. You know, how do they manage that? Mm. But, um, yep, here he's up on the stage, uh, trademark jeans and black um, polo sweater or whatever. That's right. And, um, yep, uh, iPad 2. And iPad 2, which is like the iPad, just slimmer and faster. Yeah, yeah, well, he jumped up and he, and he sold it with his usual, uh, you know, enthusiasm and, and passion. And, uh, you know, I thought he did a great job of, of selling it. Yep. Um, it looks like a cool product, um, as, as was the iPad. And, mm. um, um, you know, I think there will be a, a segment of the audience that have already got one that will buy the new one because they can. Yep. And Apple products tend to be uh, targeted at those with a little bit more disposable income than, than the average consumer. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's um, it's. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to imagine that a lot that have bought the first time round those early adopters will come in and buy the iPad too, and they'll hand on their existing iPad to uh, to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I think there's still some people that won't. You know, they've they've brought the iPad. They're looking at the iPad too, and apart from maybe some camera upgrades, you know, front back cameras, there may not be that many people that will go. Oh, I might buy the new iPad too because. There really isn't anything new and innovative that's coming out, apart from perhaps a camera, which you can debate whether that's innovation or not. Um, I know sure, and they could have easily put that into the first one. They they <laughs> needed to hold something up for the for the version two. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm very much in that camp myself. Um, I bought the the iPad when it came out here in New Zealand. Yep. Um, on on the launch day, got the one with the 3G and it's on, and it and it's a you know really cool little device. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't do for me really anything that I can't do on another device, but it, but it is a very, you know, very handy, cool thing to have, especially when you're traveling and the like. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I've got for, for now. Um, so I'm a, I'm a little bit undecided on that one, but uh, at this stage I'm, I'm not going to be queuing up to, uh, <laughs> to get the be, iPad 2 on, on launch day. You're not going to create that snake line that goes around the uh, new market at the Apple store or anything like that? No, so unless <laughs> Apple um, send me one to review, um, <laughs> I, I probably won't be talking about all the amazing things that I've um, I've found with it when it when it lands here on I think it's the twenty fifth of March. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, and for me, I don't have an iPad. I do. I am an Apple user, but I don't have an iPad. And I was really I get a little bit stung by first generation products, so I'm going to sort of try and steer all clear of the first iPad. It's it's a great device, no doubt. Um, so I was hoping for a little bit more out of the iPad too. And sort of feel like I uh, still got an iPad one with slightly better features. So, you know what? I'm actually going to hold off. And by the time they get around to iPad three, I might be more interested. But then the question is, what will the market have at that moment in time? And I guess that's probably what Apple's doing is they're holding back a lot of the really ultra cool features to when they have a market space that's a lot more crowded with a lot more tablets and iPad type devices that are actually just as cool as the iPad. Um, so that's when Apple will really start bringing out the innovation when there's some real competition, I think. Mm, that's, an, that's an interesting angle because I think you know, what we'll see in the market as um, Google you know, deliver more offerings into that space with honeycomb-based products and whatever the next generation of that is, and when Microsoft eventually get around to releasing something that uh, is able to compete in this space, yeah, Apple will... Um, yeah, they'll, they'll certainly have some good good competition on their hands. Whereas at the moment, uh, you know, there, there really isn't a, a whole lot that's available. That's and, right. And also, the the iPad is very well priced in terms of um, when you know when you compare it against what anyone else is is able to 
deliver. That's that's my opinion on it. Anyway, what do you think? It, it is really well priced. You're right. And when you look at it, uh, I've got friends that are looking at buying um, Kobe's and ebook readers and all sorts of stuff like that. You've really got to think, you know, for a little bit extra more, why don't you go and get an iPad and you get a lot more out of it? I mean, it is, it's a great price product. Um, I don't know. I might be I might be changed. I might be swung to buy an iPad before the iPad 3 comes out. But um, I guess uh, in an economic recession, people are just really becoming picky about what technology they're going to choose to go to. Um, and potentially the iPad 2, I mean, they're talking about it being a big seller and going to ship units off the shelf. I just wonder if this... Maybe a year which um, sort of knocks a little bit of gloss off Apple's um, sales. I mean, they have been their sales are phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal. There's got to be a point when things start petering off a little bit. It happens to everybody. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> but it might not be for another ten years yet. Oh uh, yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm a bit more of a cynic when it comes to that. I guess. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, we'll wait and see. Um, now, another topic: uh, Windows Phone Seven. Uh, that that's certainly a product that it, that um, is is doing some great stuff out there. Yep. Uh, but what it's not appearing to do is deliver um, billions of dollars worth of extra income for Microsoft just yet. But the question is, is it a, is it actual? Have they actually launched it, or is it a soft launch? So I mean, from my experience as a a business customer of Windows Phone Seven, is wh- where do I get it? Um, and we have been able to get a hold of a couple of devices, but you have to get them via Hong Kong from overseas. And I guess a lot of the local telcos are a little um, slow in bringing some of these products to the market, but there's still a bit of confusion as to whether there is product available. And so it's a little confusing. I desperately want to get my hands on a Windows Phone 7 device. but um, Yeah, it's an interesting situation here in New Zealand where, yeah, if you're a Vodafone customer, you can now walk into... Dick Smith, Noel Leeming, umpteen other stores, and they will sell you the HTC Trophy, which is yep. a, a great handset. I mean, really fantastic, actually. Yep. The the only reason why I struggled with that for my own usage is I was I also wanted the device to be my media player, right. and I was used to having a media player that had a lot more storage. Yep. So the eight gigs a little bit limiting. So that, that's why I'm using the Samsung Focus because there's there's an option to expand the storage there. But does one man really need more than eight gig worth of music? Really? I mean, are you going to get a chance to listen to it all? Music, podcast, video. I can <laughs> sync, right, sync my go. TV programs and movies off my media center. Yeah, uh, that stuff works extremely well. And and I have to say that you know Windows Phone Seven is a is a pretty phenomenal project product mm. from from my perspective, um, and and hence those of you that have that have noticed um, the Windows Phone NZ dot com <laughs> uh, website, uh, which is something that I run. Um, you know, is there to keep to keep people up to date with with all of those things happening in that uh, in that space? Yeah. Now the update. <laughs> oh, lots of debate about whether this update is actually occurring or not, or who's holding it back, or so. What is the story with the update? Well, what, what I've um, heard from Vodafone New Zealand was um, that they weren't holding it up. Yep. And um, sure enough, last week we saw um, we saw that update chip out to, to phones. People were getting alerts on their phone screen saying there's an update. What you do have to do at this stage is to plug your phone in to your PC or your Mac and use the Zoom software on your PC or the Windows Phone connector on your Mac to get that update. Oh, really? So it comes down um, not over the, the 3G network benefit of that being that it doesn't cost you a whole lot of money yep. and the other benefit being that it backs up your phone 
before the update. So <laughs> if something goes wrong, there's a reasonably good chance you'll be able to get it back again. Oh, that's true. I mean, I was suddenly thinking, you know, why, why do we have to tether this thing back to a PC or a Mac? But I guess the backup thing actually is really important. So Yes. Well, I mean, Microsoft with Phone 7 have um, linked the, the phone, you know, to the cloud in more ways than any other mm. vendor by, by a long shot. Uh, but at this stage in New Zealand, it would be pretty frustrating if it <laughs> if it backed up your phone to the cloud and then downloaded the update over the cloud, and you know you ended up getting a bill for hundreds of megs worth of um, or gigs worth of, worth of data. That, or, that wouldn't be a good look. Or you're halfway through the upgrade process, and a certain ISP I won't mention uh, does their midnight resets of uh, their switches, and you you've, you kind of bricked your phone. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be a good look either, would it? No, no not at all. So anyway, what I've seen is that uh, most of the phones we've, we've got, and we've got four or five uh, different models um, in our sort of testing and, and, and in general usage around the office, all of those bar one have received the 7.08 update, which is really a very, very minor update, uh, just paving the way for the the Nodo update, which is the one that people will start seeing on their phones um, fairly shortly as well, within the next week or two by the sounds of it. In fact, some are predicting um, that it will arrive today. Oh, wow. So okay. that, that will start coming out uh, very soon. The only phone we have that hasn't received the update actually is the Samsung Focus. All the other phones, wherever they're sourced from, various parts of the world and, and local, um, have received that update. So it seems a little weird because, I mean, Microsoft have dictated that the phone has to be of a certain experience. So you'd, you'd expect that the updates should work on across all the platforms. So hopefully it's it's nothing too sinister there with the devices themselves, but... Yeah, I, I hope not. What they have what they have said is that the updates will be rolling updates, so they're not going to release them, make them available to everyone at the same minute of the same day. Right. Globally, <laughs> they're rolling them out over a period. So. You mean like a denial of service attack against the Microsoft <laughs> update servers? Yeah, I don't know why they've rolled it, uh, done it that way because you think of standard Microsoft updates that yeah. you know around the world on a particular moment in time they turn on and say here are this month's updates and you've got um, hundreds of millions of users downloading those. The Microsoft infrastructure manages to cope with that, so there must be some other reasons why they've decided to um, you know spread these out over a time. Well, they, 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 there is precedence for it. They've done it with the Xbox updates, for example, they, your Xbox product does uh, update at different times of the day for different Xbox devices around the globe. So, I mean, I have to say that from a business perspective, we've given two Windows Phone 7 devices into the hands of, um, dare I say, probably the, the most technical unsavvy people we have working for us. And um, the response from one guy who just come back from the States, it just works. And um, the experience that Microsoft advertise is... Um, uh, that it's a simple phone, get into, get in and get out as quick as you can mm. and get on with your life. Absolutely did they meet that mark with this phone. Wow. I'm, so, I'm so impressed. I mean, That's great. The, the, the experience of these business users is perfect. They just love it. What were they using before? Were they on an iPhone? Were they on some other platform? Or were they non-smartphone users? They were non-smartphone users, which is even more impressive that, you know, for them, the, the uptake on the technology has been literally about 15 to 20 minutes of training. Wow. And they just—it's just intuitive. They can mm. do stuff. They, you know, just a couple of simple um, concepts under their belt, and they're using it like pros. Great! I'm really impressed. Eh? I, yeah. I want one. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I have heard for those who are on the XT network, 
and um, are waiting for a retail launch. I had heard that um, there would be something this month in terms of broader availability of the LG product. Right. In terms of other products, um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm supposed to say anything there. I had heard some rumours of bits and pieces from within telecom, um, but um, I think you know we just have to wait until they actually launch something because. That was some months ago, and maybe their plans have changed. And um, as I say, I wasn't supposed to say anything about it anyway, so, <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm not. Yeah, um, I've, so, I've yeah, heard rumours too. A little and, bit of a um, waiting game. I, I, you know what, the Telecom XT network I absolutely love. It just works so well. Um, but, yeah, just would be nice if we could get a Windows Phone 7 like the Samsung Focus. That would be awesome. Yeah, well, that would Telecom, be, the, that would be the, 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 I think, the smartest thing for them to do would be launch that handset here. It is a great handset. Yeah. All right, um, iSky. Have you had a um, Have you had a play with iSky at all? Are you a, a Sky user? No, no. I'm, I've avoided Sky to be honest. Well, I tr- I tried it out uh, recently. It's it's launched um, in terms of general availability now. For those who haven't uh, come across iSky, it's um, a product, a free product for existing Sky subscribers who can watch various parts of um, Sky's broadcasts via their PC. So it's sort of like a super library of on-demand services. Kind of. Yep. Uh, what, I, what I found was that actually the quality was fairly average. Oh, wow. Yeah, so quite quite disappointing, really. So I think Sky really need to get back to the drawing board there and, and work, on, work on their technology, work on... I'm not sure that they're really sure who the target audience for it is, hmm. but I sat down in front of a... 23, 24-inch um, screen at home and tried it. And, yeah, really it just looked pretty rough. And that's a pretty typical sort of screen size these days for a user. It would be okay probably on a, on a on a smaller laptop screen, but on that sort of screen, which is a full HD screen effectively, uh, it, it didn't look too good and certainly wouldn't be much good if you had your PC plugged into a, mm. into a uh, projector or a, or a large uh, TV. Well, to, I'll, I'll run to the defence of Sky on this one. Actually, um, working within a broadcaster myself, it's that, that the scalability of on-demand services, quite frankly, scares the pants out of us. Um, that you just, you, if you have a, a large amount of demand, I mean, that's a that's a hurrying amount of fibre you've got to have in your premise just to get that data out of there. Sure, um, but TVNZ are doing it. That's, I guess, that's the flip side of the coin. Is TVNZ are using. Um, Microsoft's um, smooth streaming technology yep. and, and delivering a fairly good result. Yeah, sure. The, again, the resolution could be could be better, but it seems to deliver a more uh, a more consistent result, shall we say, than than um, um, than I than I saw from Sky and Sky delivering this to paying customers that they're getting you know cold hard cash out of every month. So yeah, I guess the, the other flip side is that you've got to get a product that actually works across as many platforms as possible. So um, I know that it works on the um, Sony PlayStation platform, for example, which is which is great. Monty TVNZ works on that as well. So this there's a couple of things that I guess you, when you when you design your your network to do on demand streaming, you've got to try and think of what's the best bang. Hey, what's the best bang for buck? Um, and make that call on that and encoding methodology um, based on how many audience members you think you're going to get in the door. Um, and then you've got to partner with an organisation that's going to be able to deliver it across so many different networks. Uh, I mean, I know that 
I mean, you could go for the likes of Akamai, for example, to deliver your content, but then you know, I guess you're paying big international bucks for that. Sure, and but, I guess there's there's lots of ways of delivering an outcome. My question is, is have Sky made a really smart strategic decision here, or have they just sent their tech guys off and said, we need X, deliver it to us, <laughs> uh, you know, without taking a, without really taking a good big picture look at this, where the market's going, what the competition is. Of course, there's products like Netflix that are out there in the market now, and that's something we'll we'll chat with in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, something that that I've tried out at home, and I know Bradley uses a, a lot via via a VPN to the US. And when you've got <laughs> those sort of capabilities, that's that. I mean, that's genuine competition for Sky. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if they don't deliver a good product, then then people will look for something else. I, I, I was reading, actually, I was watching a DVD with um, my son the other day. It was Over the Hedge, and um, they talked about the fact that when they start making an animation, they often have to plan for the new technology that will be available at the time they're going to render. So they, they plan for the video quality to be quite high at that edge. Um, I guess for broadcasters, it's hard to actually see where that technology is going to be, so you sort of plan with the technology you have in place, and then you've got a three-year period to get build up to that. Um to be honest, the media, some of the encoding technologies I'm seeing, even just this year, is quite scary. Um, we we brought some content back from Christchurch, um, some interviews and bits and pieces, and the size was really small. The quality was incredible. Right. So for us, we're actually looking at it going, well, maybe we need to change the way we use our video content here to get it out on the web as well. Um, and an exa- interesting thing is for us, we're looking at maybe do we diverge away from the Microsoft encoding platform um, to look at one that works on more platforms? But actually in the background, Microsoft has been working on some amazing technologies themselves, so we have to go full circle back and reinvestigate that. So it's a ballpark that's changing so rapidly. Yeah, it's not an easy one, is it? No, it's and, not. And, and I guess that's that's part of the technology space. That's part of why this podcast is here to sort of talk about what's going on out there. So the, what we can say about streaming and video encoding, um, it'll be different tomorrow. Yeah, agreed, agreed. <laughs> and and I guess that's reflected if we look, you know, before iSky, Sky had another um, online product offer, you know, offering no, their yes. content online, and, and that was a bit of a failure. So, you know, as I say, I'm not sure whether they've made a really strategic decision here or whether, you know, someone's just been told, go and do that so we've got a tick in the box. It seems a little bit more like the latter, but um, let, let's give it some time. Let's see how the market responds. There'll be a tech right now at Sky just going into the office and turning up the dial on the quality just a little bit. Just <laughs> nudging that up a little bit now after this podcast. And going, I, hope, I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next topic, uh, Google Mail. They've had a bit of an outage in the, in the, in the last few days. Oh. Hit on the 28th of Feb. Now, what I heard was that um, that morning that a lot of people in the States um, opened up their email inbox in Google Mail. And I think it's uh, because Google uses a mix of uh, or uses the same platform effectively for both the, the free consumer consumers yep. and their business class product, which is effect- it's effectively the same product, um, there was a mix of both paying and non-paying customers who found their inboxes were empty. Not a good look, eh? No, I, I think there'd be a few people that would probably bounce across to Hotmail after that puppy. Um, I mean, or across to a business, uh, more business-oriented email platform. Well, this is it. I mean, Google have been working quite hard to pitch the Google App platform, so it's um, it is a bit of a. I, I guess for I know that a lot of businesses in New Zealand who have been looking at it, 
heard the story and went, oh, I don't know about this now. So how long was how long was the outage? So we about three four days yeah. for these users. Now the, suppose it's about point zero two percent of the total user base was affected, um, but that's you know one hundred and fifty million users on this device on the on the platform. On the platform. So, so you're talking tens of thousands of users whose you know business might have been stuffed for three or four days or oh, and people just live and die on the internet really. Um, well, I guess when Facebook has a you know has a downtime of of even an hour, um, productivity it, it, in my office goes through the roof. Well, pro- yeah, <laughs> but every you hear about it, don't you? Because oh, yeah. people rely on these things. Yeah. So when it's something as important as as email, which today, to many people, is actually more important to them than than having their phone working. Mm. Uh, that's it's it's, it's an, an odd one ideal because, situation. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it is quite a small percentage. I mean, it's a large number of people, and I mean. We can't, I guess we can't expect everyone to get everything right 100% of the time. But um, uh, Google's entire business model is totally net-related. So, I mean, it's it's a tough one for them. And I, I'd be interested to see how many people got beaten over that one, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there will be some uh, dramas in, in, internally. But it also highlights the risks associated with with that way of operating, which you know, I guess is prob- probably there are similarities across all vendors, um, and I don't know what the specific differences are between, say, the way that Microsoft operate and the way that uh, Google operate, and other vendors such as um, Citrix, who have, who have a um, cloud-based um, email platform as well. How yeah. you know what the differences are there, but the fact that you know Google in this case were rolling out an update to you know part of their platform and it started you know throwing away data that they then had to go back to a to a tape backup to restore it wasn't even somewhere on disk where they could just say hey bring that back well um, that, that's a fascinating a part concern. of the story for me is that they've got tape backups i mean google have tape backups could you just imagine is there like a, a small area well sorry not small a large area within the texas desert which houses all the tape backups for Google. I mean, Google's not small. No, it's, so it's interesting, isn't it? It's a, it's an odd situation, and I maybe it was actually just part of a test. They said, "Oh, like, we'll, we'll we'll test the water with this node. We'll make sure we've got a backup before we go down this path." Maybe that was the scenario they took. Maybe they actually do have great processes in place. Three to four days seems to well. If, if maybe you follow the updates on online, and you can actually go and look at them, if you do a search for uh, Google Apps status, it will take you to the page, and you can scroll back through the dates and and read what they were reporting. But some of them were were, were actually pretty amusing. You know, there was a I remember reading one of them that said, uh, "We expect to have everything back up and running very shortly," and then the next sentence was. This is just an estimate, and you know, uh, you know, don't, don't take that. Well, well, clearly it was an estimate because it was such a loose comment. Yeah. Uh, and then they were reiterating that it was an estimate, and and then they repeated the same sort of comments. Actually, in the end, for for days, by the looks of it, uh, so, after saying it was all going to be back up very shortly. So panic set in. Not 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 good. So there must have been <laughs> some um, some sleepless nights there for a few techs trying to get that stuff back uh, back up and running. But needless to say, it's all back now, which is uh, certainly a good thing for uh, for all of those concerned. And and techs around the country and around the world listening to this will be smiling ear to ear because we've all been in that situation when an upgrade's gone a little wrong and things have gone very pear shaped and custard coloured. Um, but 
for Google, I mean, if they make the slightest mistake, it makes a huge impact. So, Well, I think with these large cloud platforms, yeah, you can't really afford to be making these types of mistakes, can you? <laughs> you just can't make any. So it, it'll be interesting to see what the next few years is hold. Now, interestingly, I mentioned uh, just before that um, Cisco have a have an email platform as well that they launched, and they launched that to tie in with their um, their unified messaging systems. Right. And they launched that for business. They've just announced in the last few days that they are dropping that platform. Apparently, they've spent two hundred and fifty million US on developing it, um, but no one was really interested. Oh, ouch! So um, there'll be a few upset um, um, uh, technologists that have been working behind the scenes inventing the technology for that, and there'll be a few upset uh, shareholders. Yeah, um, who have just found that uh, all all this investment has uh, has come to nothing. Wow, that's um, that really hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were really trying to get in there and compete with. Um, Microsoft Exchange Server, and in this case, haven't haven't been too successful. It seems that if people are going to move away from Exchange to something else, um, then it's certainly not going to be a Cisco product. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's got to be a bit interesting of times. A disappointing day at the Cisco office. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, never mind. On the email uh, front, also Facebook started launching their uh, email system a little while ago. Oh. <laughs> and this scares me, really does. Why? I uh, just uh, uh, maybe I've been it, watching the social network too much. But <laughs> no just the 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 whole issue with pr- um, privacy around bits and pieces. I mean I know that Facebook are working hard at trying to I guess build up the trust within its platform for people to feel like they can store information and share information there. But as a as a um, IT manager of business processes, I just don't want to see any of our business email going to that. And and it's quite easy to be able to just forge your email into the Facebook space. Sure. And now you've got a searchable copy of your company's information within that space. I yeah, I just I'm just not a big fan. Um, I guess there are ways that a business could get around that by by blocking that sort of forwarding and so on, but. Um it's not really a position that you want to you want to have to put yourself in, is it? Well, I mean, you could block that, but you can also have to stop people from cut and pasting, and then you maybe have to restrict the Facebook app itself. But I don't know. Is is it a case that um, uh, is the foundations good at Facebook? I mean, they're, they're building a huge platform with lots of stuff in there. We've had an issue where Facebook went down as well um, Many times. last year. I think they've had quite a few outages. But now they're starting to add all these different features in there. It's quite a young product compared to, say, what the Google platform is sitting on. Um, are we just setting ourselves up for a house of cards? Um, I mean, Facebook has to be asked the question. You've got to ask the question about Facebook. Is it actually a, an application that businesses just need to grin and bear it and embrace it? Because that's something that uh, I know that... Um, uh, Andy Shields at uh, Becker, as the IT group manager there, he he said to me, you know, maybe for the next generation of employees coming in, Facebook has to be a tool that we use to communicate and allow them to communicate. So <laughs> it's a scary platform, though. Well, I think the world is changing, and that you know, there's all this talk about the consumerization of 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 IT, and you know what we're seeing is people that have personally bought something like an iPhone and bringing it into the business, or an iPad. Or they're using these other technology platforms such as Gmail and Hotmail and Facebook and so on. Yep. Um, you know, businesses need to work out how and where it's appropriate to embrace those technologies. But it's not easy because each one of those brings its own 
challenges, <laughs> its risks from a security point of view, oh, yeah. uh, data leakage, you know, perspective, and so on. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely not a um, uh, not something for the faint-hearted to uh, to approach. But there are also some great opportunities of. You know, leveraging these social media platforms to promote a business, to engage with um, your customers, to engage with suppliers, to um, you know build a, a, a broader audience for um, you know for a company, and I guess that varies very much according to the type of organisation uh, that you're in, whether you're in a uh, a bank or whether you're in a not-for-profit firm, whether you're in the media. Um, you know, each one of those will need to approach those platforms quite differently. Yep. Um, but I think it it is something important that uh, that businesses need to look at and and work out how how they're going to leverage those mediums or or uh, protect themselves from the risks associated with um, you know some of these consumer technologies. It's going to keep me up at night for a while. That's I'm, for sure. I'm sure it will. <laughs> now, next on the news front. Um, Apple have delivered to the developer community a preview of the new version of Mac OS X. Yes, Lion. Lion, yeah. Yep. Um, cool name. They're going to run out of cat names shortly. <laughs> they are, they are. <laughs> um, but it, it sounds like they're doing some interesting things with this uh, this new version. And um, in, in um, looking at some of the details of it, um, there are elements of it that are almost a, a little bit more um, Windows-like. Oh. What do you think of that? I haven't looked at what's coming out with this, um, the new Lion, but uh, one thing I actually have noticed is there was a, a an article came out on the net saying that Apple are engaging with security consultants to and passing them the code for Lion and saying, please have a go at it, which oh. I haven't heard of them doing this before. So I think... As innovation grows and as they start trying to be more, I guess, friendly with other platforms like Windows and Microsoft, um, they may be starting to open up some doors to things that they are a little bit nervous about. Well, there's been a lot of um, a lot of talk about Apple's security in in the past, and they have these annual hackers conferences, yep. and it's usually the Macs that get hacked first. Uh, and and in recent um, in the last couple of weeks, I think it is the, the, there's been a bit going around about a new um, virus that's um, you know operating on the on the the Mac OS X platform. Yep. Um, and because it's a smaller uh, target, you know, it's only got you know somewhere in the region of sort of five percent or so of the um, you know the desktop uh, market share for computers. Um, you know they haven't been a big target for viruses and 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 the and the like um, in the past. So yeah, it's in- interesting that there's a there's a little bit going on there. Well, this is definitely the first year we've actually we've actually as a business gone and brought Mac antivirus software. We haven't felt the need. Well, we haven't felt the need to bring Macs inside the organisation till now. But um, yeah, just being able to find a business antivirus solution that works with what we've got already, and that's starting to appear now. It's not just sort of the classic Mac indie software houses creating Mac antivirus software. Mainstream antivirus software is there and can be used within the enterprise. Yeah, it has been around for a while, but they've tended to be low-end products. I think of Naunted and Antivirus for the Mac. Yep. You know, that's a, it's a more consumer-type product. But now they've brought they've brought in, Semantic have brought in a sort of a corporate-level product for uh, for the Mac. So 
um, yeah, that's interesting to see that the um, particular feature in in Lion that I noticed that was um, just remi- reminded me of um, uh, Windows was that they've they've brought a um, a sort of a full screen type mode. Uh, to apps, which is more like being able to maximise your Windows traditionally, and <laughs> and um, you know when I get Windows users that um, that I put them in front of a Mac, and they're always trying to uh, maximise the the Windows. They're in Word or they're they're in um, you know the various various apps, and um, you know they're looking for that sort of capability, and it's um, it's a little bit different on um, on OS X, shall we say? Interesting. I've got a, a friend that is actually using OS X Lion. And uh, he's now moved back okay. to the previous version, so yeah, so it's, it's not quite stable enough just yet. No, I think it's causing him a little bit of grief. Uh, mind you, he's been he, he uses it on his home platforms as well. Yeah, and I think the experience has been uh, it's not as friendly as I'd like it to be. So, hmm. well, it is a it is a developer preview, so um, you know we don't expect it to be as as solid as as the final release. Bleeding so. edge, mate. Bleeding edge. That's right. That's what we call it. <laughs> All right, well, um, before we finish off, I've got a couple of other uh, topics here which sounded quite interesting. Um, Sony have apparently produced a 17-megapixel camera yeah. designed to go into smartphones. Now, how does how does that happen? How do you squeeze a 17-megapixel <laughs> camera into a little smartphone that sits in your pocket? And uh, is it going to be any use? Well, it's, it is actually very fascinating because they reckon they can do 120 frames per second video on that. Um, and of course, the debate is: Can it do it at what resolution does it do the video? But it does it at 17 megapixels. So this is a phenomenal amount of video. Of course, they they reckon it's going to require around about 35 gigabit of bandwidth just to um, get that image off the um, the, the CMOS, which is so. Uh, so realistically, we we may never see a um, a phone with this with this camera released. In, in New Zealand, anyway. Well, we just have um, to wait for the the quad core um, cell phones to make it into the market space to be able to process this. But, but when it does come, we're probably just going to be seeing, you know, maybe HD or, or full HD video, which which we're seeing in our cameras today. Yep. In a phone, I mean, with a with a um, the size and capabilities of a lens in your cell phone, you know, going to seventeen megapixels, I think. There's a there's a total there's a level of of total madness to that because <laughs> you might be able to store that much information, but is your lens able to actually deliver it well? Um, well, let, let's just face it. I mean, you, you're going to run 17 megapixel, 120 frame video on your phone. You're going to a chew your battery life down to about 10 seconds, <laughs> and you'll probably set fire to the device as the processor tries to keep up. I mean, that, that's the reality of the current platforms that we have. But I guess what it does do is it puts Sony into the, the market to say, we're the camera of choice for your phones for the next 150 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. So, and my, my uh, understanding is it's, it's Sony are making this technology. They'll sell it to any vendor. So it could turn up in a Samsung or a Nokia or, or anybody's phone. But yeah. I mean, it's certainly great to see innovation in this space and, uh, no doubt, as Nokia start bringing out their phones with Windows Phone Seven, yep. we will see much better quality uh, cameras than you know what we're seeing today on Windows Phone Seven is five megapixel camera. Generally, there is one with an eight megapixel, yep. and with the 720p HD video. Um, but you know, we know that today that Nokia already have phones in the market with I think at least 12 megapixel mm, uh, yep. cameras. 
So, yeah, there's there's good stuff to come, that's for sure. Look, 120 frames, you know what you can do with that? 3D. Mark my words, there'll be a 3D camera come out for a phone shortly. Sounds good. I don't know, I don't know what that. I'll do with it without having a 3D that's TV or, or, or too much of an interest in it, but there we go. <laughs> now, last one on the list here of topics for today is... Um, the malware that hit um, Android phones in the in the um, in the last week or week or two. Google's having a really bad year, aren't they? Well, it's a bad couple of weeks. I'm, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not sure they're going to having a bad year. I think that they will make billions of dollars this year, and uh, we'll be pretty pleased with the results. Actually, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So what I read was that um, there were at least 21 apps that appeared um, in the um, uh, app Store on um, for Android. Yep. Um, although they don't call it an App Store, do they? Well, uh, that's, 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 that's right. That's the term that Apple are trying to uh, trademark right now. Uh, <laughs> oh. But there were 21 apps that Google have have pulled from the store because they were riddled with malware and apparently had about 50,000 downloads. Uh, look, okay, let's just be honest. If you're downloading an app that is called Screaming Sexy Japanese Girls... You've got to think there's something wrong with this app. I mean, that's one of the apps that was pulled. Well, that yeah. would be that would probably be a really popular app, actually. It probably I, would. I can, I can imagine that. What What were the other apps? Um, some of the other ones were Funny Paint, Spider Man, um, Scientific Calculator. Okay. There, there was a so chess. there's a whole mix, really. Isn't there was there? one just called Chess, which was anything but chess, apparently. Mm. By mm. the end of it, but so so they looked like genuine apps, though, didn't they? So you'd pull it down, install it on your phone. Yep, and it, after do, it does what it says it would do, but in the background, it's collecting your data, it's uploading it to a server somewhere, or one in Chess app. In the in the case of the Chess app, redirected you to a totally different concept. Okay, which I suspect was probably of the pornographic and uh, money raising. Exercise for the app designer. Ah, very interesting, very interesting. So, yeah, something to watch out for, and I think that's been one of my concerns about um, the Android platform is just how loose their their marketplace is. Yeah. And that you know you submit anything and it and it just goes up without going through sort of quality checks and there being any standards. It doesn't matter whether you you know break laws with the applications you upload, whether you break copyright, um, malware, etc. There's a potential for these things just to just to flick straight through. I guess on the flip side of it, where Apple and Microsoft are are being a, a little bit more cautious with their app stores, I don't think that either of them could could guarantee that this sort of stuff wouldn't happen in their stores. But it's probably much less likely to happen. Would would be my pick because right. they're able to analyze the content a little bit more. What it, do you it's, think? It's that trade off between open and closed, isn't it? And um, and. For all the debate we had about, um, uh, certainly about uh, Apple's closed store policy, it's paid off for them in a situation like this. Sure, absolutely. Um, and, and it's about finding that right balance, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess the thing with uh, Google is they, they it's open source. I mean, it's, let's, let's be open as possible. Let's sort of make this available to the community. Let's be the opposite of what Apple is with stuff. And I, I guess uh, Google were hoping that people would be able to police that environment themselves so the community would go hey whoa 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 there's a there's an app here that shouldn't be here and we should police this well that's what we've seen in this instance isn't it it's yep. a, it's a, a user who's very technically inclined he saw something wasn't right he's um, gone in and done some research he's figured out exactly w- what was going on he's alerted google and it's come to their attention and then they've gone and 
uh, killed those apps and, and destroyed them off people's phones, right? They vaporized them effectively they from, have, from, from, from people's phones. They've thrown the kill switch, as it's called. Yeah. I guess the Very problem cool. the problem with that is it's the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. And for a developing product like Google, which is new to the market space, still relatively new, and actually, um, if you follow the sales stats, actually improving over Apple's iPhone sales. Sure. Um, it's kind of a scary thing to be in, you know. It's, it's well, at the beginning of last year, they didn't have any market share, did they? To, no, to, that's right. to, to, to speak of, they, they were they were close to zero. Um, here they are in 2011, and and they're the leading uh, mobile platform. But yep. uh, you know, a few more things like this could certainly derail them fairly quickly. I think Apple would have been smiling ear to ear over this one recently themselves, mm. and possibly Microsoft, and possibly Nokia, and possibly HP and their WebOS and. Um, all the others, RIM, the whole sure, lot of them. So. Sure, sure. Now, the other interesting, um, while, while we're talking about apps, um, news that I came across was that Windows Phone apps, there's now about or over 9,000 apps in the marketplace, which is pretty good for having only been out there three or four months, um, three, four, five months, something like that. Uh, and one of the articles I saw was saying that the number of apps available for Windows Phone 7 now beats the number of apps available for BlackBerry already, um, although BlackBerry officially have 20,000 apps in their marketplace. <laughs> yep. um, a large chunk, more than half of them, are uh, things like uh, desktop backgrounds and eBooks. So the actual <laughs> real apps um, is, is less than what's on Windows Phone 7. So... I think that's a testament to uh, Microsoft's ability to really draw in developers very, very quickly to this new platform that, uh, you know, still only has a, a fairly small chunk of the market in terms of uh, user base. Well, I think um, Barmer had it right when he was pacing across the floor many years ago, sweating like anything, screaming, developers, 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 developers. I mean, he's right. The, the product rises and falls on having that development base. And I think the tools that they've provided especially around uh, integration between uh, Xbox and the Windows Live, uh, Windows Phone experience has been really good. Mm. And there's some stuff starting to come out. Uh, one app I really want to get my hands on, because I'm a Connect user as well, yes. is the um, the integration between some of the Connect apps and Windows Phone 7 devices. Sure. And being that able to have like your fun. friends in your room with their Windows Phone devices interacting with you on the screen there. Um, so... This is the thing for me. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I have to admit it. I'm a bit of a Microsoft fan because I'm seeing some of the convergence across all their platforms coming together quite nicely. And I think you know, you get your Connect, your Windows Phone Seven, your your Windows Eight desktops and tablets, and your hopefully one day affordable Microsoft Surface for your home. <laughs> uh, very, very interesting to hear. Since you're an iPhone user, I well, this is it. I mean, I I don't see that level of interaction amongst a lot of the other devices. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, my house in about five to ten years' time could be very heavily Microsoft. Interesting. So Interesting. I, I, I don't think it's over for the um, the sleeping giant in Seattle. Okay, very good. Well, we'll wrap up on that note. Thank you all very much for uh, listening into this, our uh, second episode of the NZ Tech Podcast. You can find us online, nztechpodcast.com. Again, you will also find us uh, available through Zoom Marketplace and through iTunes. And we are now on Twitter. Follow NZ Tech Podcast. And uh, we look forward to catching you all next time here on the NZ Tech Podcast.